This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to the Patriots Dynasty podcast. In 2003 season, we're making our way through Steve Brown. We are uh, week 11 of 17. Tap. So what's what's that percentage wise? I tap. 11 17th? I don't think so. Was <laughs> <laughs> enough. Half-ish. We're half-ish way through the 2003 season. Um, Patriots have just come off their bye week and are facing at home the Dallas Cowboys. And why is that significant, Stephen? So I have been reading, which oh, I no. know, shocking. I was wondering why you, you had a pained face Yeah, joining this meeting. I, uh, I had a buddy give me that Patriots Dynasty book. Oh, yeah. This I one you, read. you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Jeff something? Jeff Benedict. Highly recommend never it. Never heard of. Good I book. Never heard of that guy, but... Apparently, he wrote a Tiger Woods uh, book. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, well, as for never hearing the guy, he clearly got a ton of access. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm only like, I don't know, a quarter of the way through it, but it does detail, it goes real deep. And I learned a ton of stuff about RKK getting this, the team and all that shit. And, yep. And the rift with Bill Parcells and how and like how that all went down. Yes. So I'm glad I read that before I watched this game. Otherwise, I've been like, oh yeah, he used to coach for us. But <laughs> there's a ton of animosity there, and I actually I'd had already hated Parcells. Yeah. Because I blame him for stealing Curtis Martin. Right. Right. Yeah. That that hate has now shifted. Right. 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 So yeah. burning hatred I have for Curtis Martin. Focus solely on Parcells. Then I read that book and I hate him even more. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, when I saw that he was coaching the Cowboys at this time, which I had not forgotten, but sort of forgotten. Yeah. I was a little, I was, I got up for it. I was a little juiced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you and the entire ESPN crew was juiced because my first note on this game was in all caps. Parcells versus Belichick. They didn't say hello before the game. They, they showed that clip of them making eye contact across the field. Yeah, very briefly. Seven yeah. times, yes. Yeah, yeah, co- yeah. Throughout the game on a regular basis. Yes. Um, and then they're like, once it got toward the end of the game, they're like, will they shake hands after the game? Let's go down to Susie Calder. And she's like, I don't know. Let's find out. I'm sure we'll have cameras on it. <laughs> uh, for the record, spoiler alert. They did. They had like a big long hug and everything. Yeah. yeah. The best was the Eric Mangini snub. I loved that one. Yeah, that was great. We'll get uh, also underrated is the McDaniels one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when McDaniels beat Belichick and was like doing a victory lap around the stadium instead of giving a handshake. That was a good one. Surprisingly welcomed his ass back. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to come up with a name for this game. I was going to have like the Bill Bowl or the Battle of the Bills or I don't know. Do you have any suggestions for me? Um, I don't know. We, we sort of stuck tuna in a locker. Oh, something about the tuna. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, well, there there was uh, a sign that reminds me. I wrote this down because I thought the sign was good. Um, 
the sign said can the tuna and then underneath in little letters said chicken of the sea <laughs> <laughs> the, the tagline made it yep yeah. I get, he is a chicken chicken of the chicken sea of yeah the i agree patriots after the super bowl yep didn't even fly home with the team couldn't shop for the groceries as yep. the famous line went that's correct and the commentators are falling over each other to try and blow jerry jones for letting him have total control of their franchise they even interviewed uh michael irvin to, yes. to prove the fact yeah that he had complete control which you know good for him but he didn't Wait, actually how did do the anything. cowboys finish up this year uh they finished 10 and 6 and lost in the wild card and then his whole career at dallas how did he do there uh that was about it it wasn't much more <laughs> i don't think yeah. uh let's stat check that real quick um bill parcells yeah 10 and 6 this season 2003 uh 6 and 10 9 and 7 9 and 7 and that was his last uh ever nfl head coaching yeah. so he was 64 uh, let me see now 34 and 30 as a head coach cool yeah so I'll probably put him in salary cap purgatory too. Quite possibly. I mean, that was the thing about Parcells. I and mean, he was a good coach from the eighties. You know, yeah. he just couldn't do it in the modern game. Pre-salary cap. Right. Yeah. And so when, yeah, that was in the book, wasn't it? When RKK came in and was like, Which they want to like, re-sign Bruce Armstrong. They're just like, well, we just give him a contract. And they're like, well, no, we can't do that anymore. We actually have to like figure out how much he's worth of our, our salary cap. He's like, I don't give a shit. Salary cap is a little, a little pre me remembering, you know, yeah. so, or like my entire life has been a thing, but I didn't realize that it had sort of started in like what, 2000 and or nine, late nineties. Right. Uh, that sort of time frame, Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was right around the time that Kraft bought uh, the Patriots. Which is so, crazy. Like, late nineties. I thought it had been since like, I don't know, early nineties or like, since I've been around, but I guess not. No, no, it's been around for... Uh... And it's about to come in the Patriots' favor again when this coming season it drops by 15%. And everyone has to cut a bunch of really good players and the Patriots are sitting there with a ton of cap space. Yep. Checkers and chess, baby. That's right. But Bill Parcells is right. spending his little heart out right now. Yeah, right? Or he would be. Apparently, uh, according to Wikipedia, he is... Uh, a courtesy consultant with the Cleveland Browns. I don't know what that means. What? Since 2014, you never hear his name come up, but I, I guess a so courtesy he's consultant. The reason they lot they didn't win one game in two years. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think we also can't miss the opportunity to mention that uh, Bill Parcells is uh, also not named Bill. He is Dwayne Charles Parcells. Oh, yeah. Everybody calls him Bill because why the fuck not? I don't even remember why. I don't remember how that came Let's say his, his father, Charles Chubby Parcells. <laughs> his dad's like nickname was Chubby. Chubby. <laughs> I bet his dad's a real asshole to Bill, and that's why he was an asshole to everybody else. Yeah, just like our dad to us. Sure. Yeah, he loves you deep down. Sarcastic asshole, yeah. But he'll never tell you he loves you, but you know, you know-ish sometimes when he's drunk that he loves you yeah oh so while at high school he was routinely mistaken for another boy named bill as he had always disliked his given name of Dwayne, he decided to adopt bill as his nickname the rock is like bro that's the best you could do right i went with the rock bill come on dude although if you're taking a life lesson from this don't name your kid Dwayne because they're gonna hate it 
And they're going to change. They're going to hate it so much. They're going to call themselves something else. That's true. I can't even think of one Dwayne that I'm like, yeah, that guy's sweet. No. Uh, Dwayne Almond. Yeah. Not that sweet. Almond. Almond. Jesus. There's no D on that. Almond. Um, yeah. Uh, another Bill Parcell, Dwayne Parcell's fact that I found interesting that they, they shared in this was that, um, his teams had only been shut out once before this 2003 season in 1993, um, which I believe that was with the Patriots. Is that right? I don't know. Fact check. Probably. Sounds about uh, right. 2000, 1993. Yeah, it was his first year with the Patriots when they were kind of crap and he was dragging them out of that. Um, they would, this season, be shut out twice. <laughs> Including this game. Including this game. A rolling 12 nothing. Yep. A uh, nice nice little baseball score to, to break up the uh, the football season. Do you want to give a watchability on this? Oh, yeah, we should, shouldn't we? Um, oh, I mean, the game itself, not amazing from like an offensive output. Not a lot of scoring, not a lot of big plays. <laughs> Brady, 15 of 34, 212 yards, which like had three quarters of those came on three plays. Yeah. Yeah, like 200 of those yards came on like two no plays. No TDs, no interceptions. Right. Um, but then show, uh, what, what was Quincy Carter's numbers? The, oh, the Quincy Cowboys. Carter, Quincy fucking Carter. 20 of 36 to 10. Three interceptions and uh, no touchdowns. Spoiler alert! Oh, yeah, there was actually a touchdown scored. Don't let the school uh, score fool you. Really. Yes, yeah, the extra the, point blocked. This game was all over the place. Yeah, so uh, like we said, it ended twelve nothing Patriots, but that was not all field goals. Uh, Antoine Smith scored a touchdown in the second quarter, but Adam Vinatieri had his extra point blocked. He didn't even miss it; it straight up blocked, kicked it into the armpit of the oncoming defender. From the two, let's be clear. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. This this was a chip shot that he yeah. got blocked, but then still kicked two other field goals. So whatever, which were also chip shots. Um, yeah. So so the scoring was a twenty-three yard field goal, a two-yard rush, and a twenty-six yard field goal. I'm still gonna give this a two and a half out of six. That's generous. I don't think because I think defensively it was a great game to watch. And watching Bill Parcells get more and more frustrated that yeah. uh, his offense couldn't do anything. And like the Patriots were basically up nine nothing for most of the game. They they scored that last field goal just after the two minute warning at the end of the game. After a Quincy Carter interception. Right. And and just like watching it and and then also comparing that to listening to the um the commentators try as hard as they could to be like Quincy Carter not that bad of a quarterback it's not even true they thought he was fucking awesome I, the, I gave this like a one Super Bowl <laughs> at most a Super Bowl in the AFC Championship just from the Parcells factor if, if Parcells was not part of this game it's like a like an AFC Championship alone it's it was it was a slog and the commentators were awful see I enjoyed them no, this is the back in the day when they did the three-man booth, which yep. no one's done that before and no one's done that since because it's a fucking terrible idea. 
I disagree. I think they were good. Theismann, Mike Patrick, and Paul McGuire. Paul McGuire was fucking awful. I can, I can never tell the difference between Paul McGuire and Mike Patrick, to be honest. They sound the same to me. So it sounded like a two-man both booth to me. It was so fucking bad. And I think Theismann, I mean, we've talked about this before. Theismann's kind of that like original, um, he's the original Tony Romo, the ex-quarterback who actually like knows what he's talking about. Okay. And, yeah. So I like, I like listening to him. They, they were so bad. I disagree. I'll, I'll get some quotes while we, while we, uh, well, we figure it out, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> there was one thing that did make the game a little better oh. and gave me hope for the future. Oh, what was that? Uh, they had a commercial in it for HD. Oh, did they really? I missed that. Yeah, they had a, they had a, a shot of like the camera truck, the inside of the camera truck. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, get an HD TV. You can see what we see. And I, Oh, that's what they were talking because I missed the beginning of that. And yeah. they kept going on and on about how, well, I've got one now, so maybe I'll get a second. You know, must be nice. Okay, here you go. A, a, an errant pass hits a Patriots, like a screen a screenplay hits the Patriots guy in the head. Yeah. It's a header. It's no good. It's a soccer game. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> was he kicking a field goal with his fucking head? Yeah, that's not how soccer works at all. Yeah, There's no, no good in soccer. There is none of that. But I mean, that's, that's a pretty typical American thing, right? Not knowing mean, soccer? That's like a rite of passage. It's like 4th of July and not knowing the rules of soccer. Used, uh, they used horse collar three times by the seven minutes left in the, sec- in the first half. <laughs> These fucking horse collar, horse collar, horse oh, horse collar, more horse collar. And this this is before horse collaring was a penalty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So look look at Quincy Carter read the blitz. It's a four man rush. It was a late blitz. They were they rushed what three. Was it? it was a four fucking man rush. They were a stunt. It was a delayed blitz. Oh. Willie McGinnis was all over the field. No. Oh, then they talk about Charlie Weiss saying, you know. Yeah, there's overcoaching because we have a lot of injuries. And so, you know, you just kind of like keep it simple. Let it go out there and play. Then they cut to, to Irving on the sideline. And he's like, oh, yeah, I told the receiver to go in to tell the quarterback to put yeah. more air under the ball. And they're like, wow. Just like Brady does. Yeah, wow. Wow. Wow, great. How great is that? Oh, Typical Michael Irvin, though. It's like, listen, oh. you guys are fucking doing this wrong. Here's what you got to do. It's like, bro, you don't play no more. They use the word wonder kid. They did. Yeah. This is automatic. Fuck you. <laughs> wonder kid. Get fucked. Look what I've created. I'm enjoying this. They said Tom Brady struggled last year because they didn't make the playoffs. I'm pretty sure he led the NFL in passing touchdowns. He did. Fucking dicks. <laughs> I think he also struggled, but yeah. 2002 was not his best year. And just like the the constant Quincy Carter dick sucking, there was a lot of that. It was egregious. They wanted him to be good so so badly, but they were trying to will him into at least mediocrity. And they so yeah, because they kept talking about let let's go in a Quincy Carter. This is a good segue, I think, um, because for those of you like me who completely forgot about him, he was the starting quarterback for this um, Cowboys team. He's very forgettable. For a few years, I, I had to look it up, and I remember he actually wait, wait, played wait, wait, wait. for. I found the worst one. Before we go deep in Quincy Carter, I'm gonna oh, bring good. us back one last time. Give it to me. 
the referee is the one who makes this call of the penalty. No fucking shit, Paul McGuire. Who else is going to make the call? Is the coach going to throw the penalty flag? You know, no, it's, it's like talk saying, about like the lineman or the line the judge. Points wins a game. No, who else is going to make the call? Paul, I, I think he's talking about throwing the flag and actually calling the penalty. No, he, the, the, it's he's one like, of the oh, other referees. What he meant to say was like the the head judge, the guy all the way in the back, is the one who yeah. made the holding call. But you just said the referee is the one who makes a call. <laughs> Fucking shit, buddy. Good. I love this. This is great. Uh, so yeah, speaking of speaking of assholes, Quincy Carter played for the Cowboys for three seasons. Uh, this is the only season he started all sixteen games. He started eight games in 2001, seven games in 2002, and I think he got benched in 2002 for somebody whose name I didn't recognize, Hutchinson or something like that. They talked about. Yeah, I, got yeah, I, I didn't care. Um, and they're like, "Oh, he's actually really improved from last year. Uh, he's cutting down his mistakes." So I looked it up. Uh, this season, he would throw 17 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. Yeah. So, uh, not really cutting down mistakes, but in the season before, it, it, he didn't actually, in his first three seasons, he never threw more touchdowns than interceptions. He was five and seven, then seven and eight, and then 17 and 21 in those three seasons. And then he played a few games. He played three games with the Jets and was three touchdowns and one interception, which. Yeah, he played for the Jets. Yeah, in uh, 2004, played a couple games. <clears throat> so we may see him again. Who knows? We'll have to find that out. <laughs> Next season. I hope so. So do I. Um, Yeah, they were, the the commentators were like, their jaw was dropped by the fact that he was an agile quarterback. Which this isn't like the first one we've ever seen. No, yeah. We've had Michael Vick in the league for a few years now, right? So they compared him to McNabb. Yep. Uh, He was not McNabb. No. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I don't remember which commentator it was, but they were like, he threw some like four yard pass on the run, like back across his body. And they're like, this guy could throw a perfect spiral at a full sprint. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and now it's like, you have to be Patrick Mahomes throwing yep. underarm, no look passes to get that sort of fillet. Well, there, was, there was Joe Theismann saying 17 for 30 is pretty good. <laughs> That's a direct quote. Yeah. Well, for Quincy Carter, it probably was. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's not pretty good, though. That's relatively good. Well, okay, that's fair. Uh, His career completion percentage was 56.5%. Yeah. So 17 for, what was it, 30? That's that's above that. So that's that's pretty good. Um, (laughs) So that's that's not great. but they, they were trying to make this work. And it was like they were hanging in there until when did he start throwing interceptions? Till the third quarter, end of the third quarter, when um, like the Dallas, the, 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 the way this game went was uh, Dallas had the number one ranked defense in the league. Their defense was legit, even though it didn't have a ton of names. No, there wasn't a lot of names, um, but they held the Patriots in check for the most part, except for when they would bring everybody on the blitz and Brady would read it every time and would complete a long pass. And they did it twice. And Brady hit um, Branch deep for one. Yeah, what and a then... crazy pick by Gibbons, though. That was kind oh, of a yeah. play. 
That was a huge. That was a pick that was like 15 yards downfield. It was pretty pretty egregious, and the commentator was like, "Wow, great yeah. He's so open. What Look a great this. play! What a great play design! Like that's it's an illegal play design, but yes, it was. <laughs> um, but then the other one was they they tried it again. I think the next quarter, and uh, Brady had Gibbons just running straight down the middle of the field, and he was covering. Brady's like, "Fuck, I'm gonna chuck it straight up in the air." And Givens had to like stop and come back for it and made the catch. And uh, so that that's what set up the Antoine Smith touchdown run in the second quarter. Um, but Dallas kind of did nothing. Their, their whole game plan, I think, on the season was to rely on that great defense, run the ball down people's throats with their like massive offensive line. And uh, <laughs> that running back, what the hell is a running back's name? Troy Hambrick, great. Troy name. Hambrick, yeah. Which Hambrick just sounds like a, a fantastic name for not a running back. Like if he was a fullback or like the nose tackle, yeah, or like a road grading uh, tight end. Like the oh, you just got Hambricked. You can't run it with Hambrick in there. Right, just a, just a brick of ham, Hambrick like the, putting up a wall. Right, yeah, I agree. Um, but apparently I was saying that he angered people in Dallas last season because he was bitching about not getting enough playing time behind Emmett Smith. Well, that was but, when Emmett Smith was crap, right? I don't think he was Wait, crap. Is Emmett Smith and Tom Brady's careers crossed? They do. Uh Emmett Smith at this <clears throat> they said this season was playing in uh Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. I remember him finishing there. Huh. I did not know that. I thought I always put those two as two separate. Did Michael Irvin and Tom Brady's careers cross? Um, probably briefly. Uh, let's see. Emmett Smith played until 2004. Played 03 and 04 with the Cardinals. Uh, Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin, his uh, last season was 1999. So, no. Just barely missed. It's crazy that. Smith played five more years than Michael Irving. Yeah, especially as a running back, too. Like, that's yeah. pretty unheard of to have that long of a career as a running back. I mean, good for him. Uh, yeah, but uh, Troy Hambrick, the leading rusher on this team with a whopping 972 yards. And yet, somehow, this team went 10 and six. And like, they, like we were saying, the whole, their whole um, game plan was to just like grind it out on offense and then just like suffocate you on defense. Which is why they had the first ranked defense in yards and second ranked in points against. Uh, but they had the 15th ranked defense in uh, offense in yards and 21st ranked offense in uh, points four. Yeah, maybe if the Patriots had had the 2019 defense and the 2020 offense, that I mean, I think, I think that formula can work. That's kind of like an old school formula, and it seems to where the Patriots are trying to go just with the people they have, you know. Yeah, but they didn't run Carter enough either to make that really effective. You know, they yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't they didn't use him as a as a um, as a running threat because he did kind of take off a couple times and picked up good yards with his feet, but he was mostly kind of trying to stay in the pocket. And they showed some stat like halfway through the game where uh, when he's in the pocket, he was throwing touchdowns and some interceptions, but when he's out of the pocket, he's only throwing interceptions. So yeah, I, I guess he was like, 
And they kept talking about like how much he was studying being a quarterback and like all of this stuff. Yeah. They, again, they were just trying to, and they're like, the snap hits him in the hands and bounces off his hand and goes over his head. And, and I was like, oh, what a bad snap. Like, you <laughs> hit him right in the hand. <laughs> you fired it right back there, Adam's like, I think that's the idea, but okay. <laughs> but then he uses athleticism yeah, oh, wow. to, to throw an incompletion. <laughs> to throw an incompletion to go three and out. Uh, yeah, so but this the story of this Cowboys team was um, they allowed 16 points per game, which is fucking fantastic. Yeah, uh, they scored an average of 18 points a game. They were shut out twice in the season, and even though their defense held six uh, in six games, they held teams to seven or less points, which is fucking impressive. They still won 10 and six. So, I mean, they didn't even have any big names. There's Roy Williams at safety. Um, there was one of the linebackers I recognized, but that was kind of it. Yeah, so they had, um, let's see, the pro bowlers on defense were Dexter Coakley, uh, Leroy Glover on the defensive line, and safety Roy Williams. Yeah. Um, they also had, uh, I think he was a rookie, Terrence Newman uh, at cornerback. He was a rookie, yeah. He wasn't led starting, the, I don't think. Well, he led the team with four interceptions. Um, and then they had Greg Ellis was, I think, their kind of sack specialist who sacked Brady in this game. Uh, he had he finished the season with eight sacks. And then their middle linebacker was kind of the original um, undersized, um, I don't know, fragile linebacker that they always have at middle linebacker. Like, who do they have now? Um, the white guy with his name. Yeah. Van something, whatever. Yeah, Van, Van, Van Der Esch. Yeah, like and before that. that was like someone similar who couldn't stay on the field. You know what I'm talking about? Always. Oh, and they all like their uh, Lee something Lee, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and they always play like out of control, but um, they're super smart and super fast, and so they can make up for it. And uh, this this season was Dat Quinn, I believe is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, and he finished the season with 90 solo tackles and 121 combined, which is pretty fucking impressive. And he was he was like, and they they made a big point of this being. A very unparcels like middle linebacker. Yeah, he's usually like six four, like pushing three hundred pounds. That wins like five eight or something, but still making plays. But still, for a kind of a no name defense like that, those are some impressive stats. Oh yeah, they 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 were saying that um, they allowed an average of six points in the first half of games to teams. Legit. Which that's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's still like pre, you know, passing era, but still allowing six points in a first half of pretty much every game is fucking impressive. Yeah. I mean, you're trotting out Alshermond Singleton out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the household name. Yes. Alshermond. Is that what he says? Yes. At their, he's one of their starting linebackers. I'm sure he is. Um, but I'm wondering if this helped their defensive coordinator gets some coaching jobs because um, it is the current Vikings head coach, Mike Zimmer was the defensive coordinator in this game. Yes, he was. Yeah. And they they were even talking him up a little bit on this. Yeah. Um, Also on this coaching staff, which I found interesting was uh, Sean Payton was a quarterback's coach and like assistant to the head coach or something like that, which sure. Um, So he's the law, obviously the longtime Saints head coach now who's, just lost to Tom Brady. 
must be must feel nice. And then also, uh, I found this funny. Their tight ends coach was Tony Sperano, the old Do- Dolphins head coach. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was uh, is this the probably the biggest name from the Cowboys in this game was Witten. Yeah. So I mean, say what you will about Bill Parcells, but the man can draft. Because in this draft, their first round pick uh, was Terrence Newman, who uh, made the Pro Bowl, I think, in this year and probably uh, multiple years. He, I think he had a good career. And also Jason Witten in the third round, who was like... Yeah, this is Witten's rookie year. And he had, he had one... I mean, it was a nice catch, bad throw sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, one of the interceptions was kind of almost his fault. But, I mean, he made some plays with his hands early on in the game. He made some nice snags. You could tell he's going to be. Which is also crazy to think that he's still playing. Right. Yeah. Lordy. And that Brady's got two years on him. Yeah, he was drafted by Bill Fucking Parcells. Yeah, but didn't he? Didn't Witten retire for a year and then went in the yeah. booth and then wasn't very good, so he decided to come back he again. Retired in 2018 and then came back for the Cowboys again. Yeah. And then this past year, he's like, you know what, Raiders. That's right. Yes, he did play for the Raiders, didn't he? Uh, How did he do? Uh, 13 catches for 69 yards and two touchdowns. Nice. Played all 16 games, though. All right. All right. Maybe he was uh, more of a blocking role. Maybe. He's got to be old at this point. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's one player that we haven't talked about that I figured we would have gotten to by now. On the Cowboys. On the Cowboys. Oh, a yes. bit of a homecoming, if you will. You can't just call this the Bill Parcells revenge game. That's true. When you also have star wide out and leading receiver for the 2003 Cowboys with 754 yards and five touchdowns, wide receiver Terry Glenn returning. Uh, how did he feel yeah. about coming back? The fucking shit boot out of him. <laughs> did you hear what he, he had to say about coming back? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go to like the, the actual newspapers and read the quotes and shit. No, me neither. But just what the the commentators saying is like, you couldn't wait to get back here because he hates everything about New England. <laughs> um, uh, but in true, in the um, he had the Patriots hard hat on the silver <laughs> one. He had Terry Glenn jersey, and then he put like a piece of masking tape above it, like kind of below his chin, above the numbers, and wrote yep. "she" on it. <laughs> yep. Uh, tough look, but uh, okay. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, like he literally like put a piece of duct tape on there on his Terry Glenn jersey, which he still had and was still wearing. Yes. But um, I think, in kind of true Terry Glenn fashion. Um, he didn't exactly show up for this game and he finished with one catch for eight yards uh, and got thoroughly booed when he made that catch. Um, I don't even think he had many targets to be honest. Like he just had tile on him. I think for the most part, actually it was like, it was Belichick's classic, take the best player away and throw a ton of different looks and coverages at him and double them. um, Exactly. Yeah. They seem to have a guy over the top every time. And yeah. What, Joey Galloway was injured for the Cowboys? Yeah, so Joey Galloway was their other weapon, but he wasn't playing this game, which opened the door for Antonio Bryant. Remember him? Yeah, he sucked in this game. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, I think, is almost an understatement. This this was uh, I was going to 
save this as my worst, but um, he made he had three catches, uh, which is is good. Except uh, he took him twelve attempts to to get those those three he catches. Had a couple of just straight up drops, and it's like yeah, it's Quincy Carter. You really can't be dropping balls. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it out in the hands. That's an achievement in and of itself. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I think uh, I think Antonio Bryant actually had more footballs hit him in the face mask than he did in the hands in terms of catching the ball. Like he was just having balls bounce off his face, which is a, a tough look when you're a wide receiver. Um, but yeah, I also think there was some some great coverage on him too because they kept. It felt like uh, the Cowboys' game plan offensively was run the ball, run the ball, take a deep shot to Antonio Bryant. And he was never open. He was always like just extremely covered where it, uh, there was actually a few of them where probably he was the one breaking up uh, interceptions instead of the other way around. Well, to be fair on Quincy Carter, he was just running the plays that Bill Parcells called. He had no freedom to change it. No. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a whole lot of like kind of veiled uh, displeasure, I think, from Parcells's point of view towards Quincy Carter about how he didn't consider him a real quarterback, I think, is what it felt like. Just the way that they were talking about him and how they were talking about his and Belichick's relationship. It's like, oh, I've never had to study this hard in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm finally starting to feel like a real quarterback. And uh, some it's some coaches... Yeah. So some coaches uh will will only have their quarterback read half the field, but uh, that doesn't happen here in Dallas. Uh, hear me out on this one. I have a theory. All right. If Parcells hadn't been a huge douche and left immediately after taking the Patriots to the Super Bowl, it's like around and then by some miracle they draft, you know, Tom Brady anyways. Mm-hmm. He may have stunted Tom Brady's growth by not letting him, you know, call plays and make audibles and do all that. Possibly. Parcells could have been such a control freak because he clearly was a control freak, right? That's why he left the Patriots. Is they're like, oh, wow, Jerry Jones is letting him do everything and he's yeah. got all the control he wants. And it's like, but like that went all the way through to, you know, the plays he's calling. He doesn't, he doesn't let the OC call the plays. He's calling the plays and, He's not on the quarterback change. He's calling Parcells plays and he's doing Parcells thing. And Parcells is the is the end all be all. And yep. you know, maybe you don't let Tom Brady do that, then Tom Brady doesn't become as good as he is. It's true. And also, does that offense look differently if it's a Parcells offense too, where he's more focused on building that suffocating defense and then doing that ground and pound offense with a game manager at quarterback? So maybe it would have worked out still because. That's kind of what Brady was in 2001, was that game manager for that style of team. But Yeah, but Parcells might like win that Super Bowl and then have the hubris to be like, this is works, you know? Yep. Oh, I mean, it had before. My He'd way. already won two Super Bowls. Definitely my way now. Yeah. And uh, had foregone the evolution of Tom Brady into being awesome. So it's what true. we're really saying here is Bill Parcells' stubbornness is the root cause of the Patriots dynasty. So moral of the story is fuck Bill Parcells. Yeah. Well, thank God he was such a dickhead and left. <laughs> exactly. Good uh, riddance to the stinky tuna. 
can that tuna. Oh Chicken God. of the sea. Chicken of the sea. That's right. Um. Oh, another good note uh, for this game was that the Patriots were, for the first time, I think, wearing their new silver jerseys. Yeah. Which I completely forgotten about. I don't love it. Yeah, they just look like they're white but dirty. <laughs> Especially when, if it's not in, in high def. Like, yeah, it just it looks dirty. It, it were kind of like the um, the Rams uniforms now. I don't like them. You know, oh, they're kind of like the the off-white kind of cream color. They just look dirty. And then they have the, like, puff paint outlines on the numbers. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. No, oh, man. Come on. I don't, I don't mind them. No. It's so I mean, L.A. They're trying to be trendy. It just doesn't come off right. Andy, are you the fucking judge of what is trendy or not? Uh, I was voted class trendsetter. Thank you very much. The hoodie and the shirt you made yourself. Yeah, that's right. Because nobody else can 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 get on my level style wise. So I got to make my own t-shirts. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe your style is so shit, no one even bothers to make such crap clothing that won't sell. I'm sorry. Were you voted uh, class trendsetter in high school? Because I was. That was an ironic award. Regardless, it still happened, and I can hold it over you. Oh boy! Speaking of things that I can't read, what? I said I don't know what I was voted. I couldn't read the yearbook. Well, that's yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you were voted least likely to learn how to read, probably. Um, I think a big part in this game that nobody really talked about—at least the announcers didn't—was um, I'm coming around to to your take that they weren't very good. Was that um. This Patriots defense was a whole lot less injured than they have been in a while. Yeah, they're getting guys back now. Because last time we talked, um, last week, who did they play? Uh, oh, the Broncos. Yeah, and the Broncos ran all over them, right? Yeah. And you kind oh, of yeah, almost... He was legit, and the stretch run game scheme was really good. But also, they had no... Remember, Richard Seymour was a late scratch, so they had yeah, no Richard yeah. Seymour... Uh, no Ted Johnson, like their linebacking crew is real thin. No Ted Washington. Right. So you get all three of those guys back here, and the Patriots, uh, how many rushing yards did they allow in this game? Any? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Dallas, 28 carries, 84 yards as a team. Ted Washington was legit. I mean, he definitely he changes that whole team inside there. He does. And they kind of mentioned a bit too where – they were able to switch it up between him and Richard Seymour playing at that nose tackle too. So you can have like a lighter guy and, and whenever Richard Seymour seemed to line up inside, the Cowboys guards would get called for holding because he would just blow straight past him. There's one play where they actually showed the replay and so the ball got snapped and Richard Seymour just kind of stood up. And so the guard stood up and he just kind of, then he just kind of like push him out of the way and ran past him. And the guy had to tackle his ass. Seymour was, they had no answer for him. No, and I I remember, you know, you think of like good defensive players, and like, oh yeah, Richard Seymour, he's on that list. But I'd forgotten how much of like a man amongst boys he actually was. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're all like, like trying to campaign for his Hall of Fame right now. Like Brady's going pretty yep. hard on it, Belichick is as well, and saying right. like, he didn't have a ton of stats, like sacks, but no. He played everywhere. He played end, inside, outside, every single. Then he played them all really well. And like, and he was again, yeah. watching games like these where 
Cowboys offensive line was like the strength of their team. And he's just yeah. saying, see you later. Yeah. It's just and even the announcer like, that was Leroy Glover. He's like, they're, he's like all pro and he's a massive dude. And he's just, yeah, exactly. He, he's um, just, he's pushing. Yeah. Yeah. Leroy Glover was um, a second team, all pro and a, um, and a pro bowler this year. Yeah. It just didn't fucking matter. Same with Flozell Adams and Larry Allen. Like this, 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 this offensive line was stacked and Seymour's just like making look like rookies. Yeah. It was, it was a, it's a huge shift when he's in there versus when he's not like, they're just not allowing any run game to get going. And I like that. Uh, obviously they had some runs, but they, it, it just never kind of got rolling. Like we've seen in some of these other games. Yeah. They couldn't catch like the four, four yards of clip. So they can just keep running and running and running. Exactly. Which is what we saw last week when he wasn't there. And, and the Broncos, especially at the end of the game, they're just like running it and running it and they just can't make the stop. Um, and on that note, like last season too, remember there was that big issue where they couldn't stop at anybody because they didn't have that guy in the middle. Um, and I think that was actually in the book too that you uh, started to read. Yeah, even yeah, this it season, might be chapter two. So yeah, I don't know if you've got there yet, but um, this season that we just watched in the 2020 season was like they couldn't stop the fucking run. Very similar, right? Um, and so last season, 2002, they were 31st against the run on defense, and this year with you know, the Ted Washington's and the, the Richard Seymour's, they're now seventh in the league. Yeah, Who I think Ted Washington's underappreciated. I think he's only here this year because we draft Vince next year. I think you're right. Mount Washington does not stick around year, for a long time. Because Vince definitely got one Super Bowl ring for sure. Yeah. He's not here this year. He's got to get one next year. Right. Let's see. Uh, Ted Washington. He was, yeah, he's only here for 2003. And then after this, two years in Oakland, two years in Cleveland. Man, he started in 1991, though. Like, he's been around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. That's a. I know we've mentioned him before, but like Bobby Hamilton is also sneaky, legit. Very underrated. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. Cause he, he's the one that, that showed up big in the, uh, in the snowball game and was yep. just like manhandling people. And I think also some, if we're talking underrated defensive players on this, this team, Tyrone Poole. Who was a free agent pickup too? Yeah, I'd also, I'd always sort of assume Tyrone Poole sucked. No, I, I, I remember him being good, but it was similar to, like, not quite on the same level as, as Seymour. But it was one of those things where I forgot why I thought he was good. I'm just like, oh yeah, no, I'll add him to the list of like good players. But yeah, he's almost. I mean, he's, he's no Ty Law, but he was kind of a, almost that lockdown corner on the other side of Ty Law, especially when he's going up against the number two guy. He's kind of a bigger guy than Ty Law, so he was able to take the, the taller receivers, and and the way he plays a deep ball is like clinical. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he loses his job, probably to what, Asante next year. Something like that. Yeah, I, I think he, they, he was basically just a rental. Uh, he was here... It's two, three, uh, three, four, three years. five. Yeah. Three years. Yeah, I mean, he has a good year this year. Yeah, this is the only year he starts all 16 games, though. That it's four games in 2004 and one game in 05 before he gets goes to Oakland. Performance, but I don't know. I'd never really thought he was awesome. No, but I remember him being good right around now. Um, kind of the same way Otis Smith was in 2001, where you had that guy opposite Ty Law that was shutting down the number two receiver on the opposite team. Right. So it felt very similar to that. Uh, do we have anything to talk about on? offense 
was a uh, tough one. It was because they had no wide receivers because Troy Brown is out again this week with a leg injury. Uh, so no Troy Brown, and that I think hurt them in terms of staying on the field and like keeping drives going. Because uh, I think even David Gibbons went out of at some point during this game, he just like stopped showing up. So they had to rely on people like uh, Daniel Graham. Brady was targeting him a lot, especially on third down. And wait, wait, I thought his name was David Graham. Daniel Graham. They called him David Graham like four times. Did they really? Yes. (laughs) I missed that. Never know. Maybe if you called him Daniel instead of David, he would fucking catch it. Uh, and Thysman would correct him each time. Like Thysman make a point of saying Daniel Graham and fucking Paul or where the play-by-play guy was would get it wrong every time. Not going to (laughs) stick. I mean, who needs to remember their names? It's not like part of their job or anything, so whatever. It's all good. They were the worst. (laughs) I liked them. Uh, uh, I almost would rather, maybe not quite, but they were almost as bad as Deerdorf. No, 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 no. We're definitely not going that far. Rain it in, Steve Brown. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, if we're talking about the only player who on offense really did anything, it was my early... Dynasty MVP Kevin Falk again. Wait, 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 wait. You're expanding it from this season to the entire early dynasty? Yep. Well, it was last season too, and he's continuing it into this season, I think. No. Yep. The engine that keeps the, the motor of the offense running. When they need that yard and Troy Brown's not there, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or he's he's actually getting more attention now because of the year he had in two thousand two, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's battling injuries. Mm-hmm. Who do you go to? Mm-hmm. Who do you go to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You go to my boy Kevin Falk, mm-hmm. who had himself had himself a, a solid little game. Well, I mean, compared to everybody else, let's see. He uh, <laughs> eight carries for eleven yards. Oh, so maybe not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, four catches for twenty-two yards. Okay, we have Antoine Smith got 16 carries. Oh, sorry, no, three catches for 22 yards. Long as it's 12. So, so he got 33 yards. Uh, he was the leading receiver. Him and Christian Fourier both had three catches. Well, yeah, in catches, but not in yards. Well, he's a running he back. He's not like supposed to lead the five-yard, 56-yard touch uh, catch. He also had he also had a huge gain on a screen call back too. Oh, okay. Which probably would have put him close to the team lead in receiving yards, which was Dion Branch, two catches for 69 yards, along of 46. Not a great day for uh, Patriots receivers in general. David David Givens, two catches, 67 yards, longest of 57. So, hit those long ones. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of seemed to be, it almost felt like the Patriots were waiting for. The Cowboys to blitz, and when they did, they take a deep shot and it worked every time. But because it worked so well, the Cowboys stopped blitzing, and the Patriots like didn't really. It almost felt like they were content to just like they knew that their defense could handle Quincy Carter, so they're like, we're just not going to take any chances. It was definitely a grinded out game for sure. That's why it was so fucking boring. Yeah, so I enjoyed because this. Well, oh yeah, so. <laughs> 
There were a lot of three and outs. There's um, so many punts. A lot of punts. Um, Ken Walter had eight. Toby Gowen had seven. Yeah. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, In seven, the, oh eight, three and outs. Jeez. The the yards per punt was 36 and 34. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the punting like was inside the 20. The punting was like, atrocious. Uh, they said that um, Ken Walter was the 31st ranked. Right? No, I think he was the worst pun- worst ranked punter in the league. Either the 31st or 32nd ranked punter in the league. So I had this, I had this question and yeah. that sort of sparked it. Like nowadays, I mean, we just finished that 2020 season and Jake Bailey is like our best player on our team. He's the only you know, one like, oh, geez, scratching for, for, and that's a classic loser bright spot. Like, well, our punter was really good. Yeah. Because he was. And like, we've had like really good punting for a while now, you know, you kind of take right. it for granted. There's Ryan Allen before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember, he won the Super Bowl against the Rams. He was so yep. good in that. Yep. And it's like, when did that flip? Like, who was the first of the Patriots punters? We're like, dude, this guy is legit. I think uh, I had, but I want to see if you got one. I think it was actually Lee Johnson until he uh, struggled against the Chargers in 2001, and then they had a string of Ken Walters. Uh, I don't know who I would put on that list. Who do you? You're you're not talking about Zoltan Mesco, are you? Zoltan. Uh, I don't think he was Dude, as good was, as his name. Yeah. And he had the fucking Z hand thing. That thing is sweet. Everyone did. Oh, dad, I love Zoltan. He did have the Z hand thing. It's a great name. Dude. I mean, what a name. <laughs> I feel like he, he was 2010. Yeah. He, and then who was after that? Like, give, give me a list of Patriots oh punters. God, Patriots punter. I can't. I don't know if I can name him. Oh, God. Yeah. That's, that's a. Hmm. <laughs> I, but I feel like he was the first one where like the dude was like good enough to be like to come up with the Zoltan thing, you know. You know, Lee Johnson ain't getting a nickname. He's not getting any like any cult status. Or Zoltan was like good enough to like you can't you can't do that if he sucks. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, he wasn't on like a Ryan Allen level though. Like he wasn't. No, he wasn't like awesome, awesome. No, he was like middle of the road punter, I think. But I remember when like he, he left New England and he didn't sign on anywhere and I was like, how did he not sign on? Because he's good. And same mm. thing with with Ryan Allen. With Ryan like, Allen. How did yeah. Ryan Allen not catch on with anybody? Because he was good. Like he was a yeah. solid punter. He wasn't maybe, I mean, I think we're better off with the guy we have, but they're both like, he was still good. Yeah. The, yeah. The fact that the Patriots drafted a punter and then went with the rookie over Ryan Allen and then Ryan Allen didn't get picked up by anybody was a little, little baffling to me too. I don't know why that was, but yeah, this, this, I, cause I remember this being an issue for a while, just the punting from the pages in general, which is strange because of how much focus Belichick puts on. Dude. All right. On special teams in general. Patriots career punting average. Okay. Okay. Number one, Matt Castle. (laughs) <laughs> oh right yes one punt for like 60 yards right 57 yeah yeah Legit. it rolled a lot <laughs> <laughs> where's tom brady on that because he's got a few punts uh number two is jake bailey okay makes sense. three ryan allen four tom tupa wow five zoltan okay josh miller oh four to oh six yep yep 
Yeah, he was uh, probably the first like solid punter that you had that you didn't think, oh fuck, here we go again. Yeah. Uh, and then Lee Johnson is number 10, 99 and 2001. <laughs> Chris Hansen, I don't remember him. 07 to 09. Yeah. Probably didn't use him that much. No, not in 07. <laughs> Todd Sauerbron. He's the old Panthers guy. He was the the like the beefy one. Yeah, 2006. Yep. He's 14. All right. Ken Walters, 21. For a point of reference, Ken Walters at 38.6 yards per punt. Jake Bailey's at 46. <laughs> That's... I mean, I, my neither of us are good at math, but that seems like a, a decent difference. Yeah. Oh, uh, boy. See Tom Brady on here, thirty-five. He has an average of thirty-four yards per punt. With I think two punts two. in his career. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember one I think sparked was against the Jets and it sparked a uh, a, a scuffle at the end of the game between some Jets players. Interestingly, Adam Vinatieri is on here. Oh yeah, number thirty. I don't remember him punting. He only ever did it once, and it was like they were, it, they set up for a long field goal. Oh really? Twice. And they they would like snap it directly to him, and he would just pooch it in there. Try to pin him down. And uh, yeah, not great though. The worst number forty-one, Jeff White, seventy-three, six punts, twenty-seven average. <sighs> I'm pretty sure you and I can probably punt it further than 27 yards. Maybe not very high, but it, it would go more than 27 yards. I'm so, guessing in 73, he wasn't kicking very high either. I guess a preview of what's to come. Uh-oh. 2003, Brooks Barnard. Who? Yeah, who? Okay. 10 punts. 36 okay. and a half yard average. He's 31st. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, they were like, fucking uh, Ken Walter, you suck. All right, bring this guy on. Oh, this guy's even worse. Oh, good. So uh, I am I'm in for the Brooks Barnard buttons. Can't wait. Well, yeah. Something to look forward to in these games, apparently. Oh my god. Um, I think they're uh, speaking of uh, 40 yard. Uh, distances they showed a stat in this game where Tom Brady this season has as many touchdowns of 40 yards or more uh, as he had 40 yard completions last season oh yeah they said he's already up to there yeah he's had seven completions and three touchdowns of 40 yards or more this season and he had three completions total of more than 40 yards last season well, I mean that's be Ken Walter probably doesn't even have any 40 yard punts he couldn't even punt it to the first down marker on one and play yeah it was uh, i think I, <laughs> I wrote it down uh let's see it was fourth and 37 and ken walter had a 34 yard punt <laughs> yeah i saw him bounce and he's making the fucking first down line nope. oh. not it's not a good look it's in fear and it wasn't like you're backed up your own side too oh. yeah and he punted to like midfield <laughs> awful because they had driven to midfield yeah. Uh, and then Falk had the screen, like a big screen that got him like it, about the 20-yard line of the Cowboys that got called back for a hold. And then the next play, the um, it was like a running play, and then there was that egregious uh, late hit call on Joe Andrewsy that wasn't. Oh. Like, I think... The referees in this game were 
overbearing. They were not good. To the point where even the broadcast was criticizing the calls. That's when you know it's bad when they're like, that was bad. Oh, oh. There's so many penalties. And I was like, it just, it, that's another reason why this game was fucking unwatchable because it was just so disjointed because they couldn't get in any flow and they're running the ball a shitload and there's a shitload of penalties. And every time the goddamn ref wanted to call a penalty, he would do the hand signal so you knew what the fuck it was. Yeah. But then it would take him like three minutes to actually like, find space in the field and he walks like 20 yards away from everybody to turn on his mic on and say it. And you're like, we already know what it is. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then uh, there was one where there was a penalty on the Cowboys, but they were like within on on third down and it was within like borderline field goal range. And so he just assumed that they wanted to decline it to bring it fourth down. And so he announced, he was like, Oh yeah, the, uh, it's a, I don't know, uh, hands to the face on the, on the offense. Uh, penalties to climb, brings a fourth down and Belichick's, they, they cut the Belichick being like, what the fuck? No, I want, I want to accept the penalty. And so that, there's like another five minutes of that. And then he comes wow. back. He's like, uh, during the announcement, the Patriots have changed their mind and will accept the penalty. And Theismann's like, that's not how that works. You're not allowed to change your mind. He just didn't ask them. And just like straight up threw him under the bus. They also called... Offensive penalty, offensive pass interference on defense number eighty-two. Yep, which and was actually Mark, offensive. The pass penalty off on the Patriots. Yes, on the defense, they called offensive pass interference on eighty-two. Jason Witten. Yeah, mark the penalty on the Patriots, and then everyone was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, <laughs> and then like, "Oh shit, our bad. <laughs> we gotta go twenty yards that way." Oh, it was There's brutal. Delay in the game. Yeah, shit together. And then they called like right at the end of the game, second to last play. Uh, the Cowboys took a deep shot, and I think it was Eugene Wilson went and lit the wide receiver up, which at the time was a, a legal call. And uh, they threw a flag for uh, after the play was over, unsportsmanlike conduct, defensive player launch into the the offensive wide receiver, and they're like, "That's." That's not a, a penalty. Even like by today's standards, it wasn't that. It wasn't bad. It was like because he led with his shoulder. It was like a you know, yeah. kind of separate the guy and the ball and caught him like down. square in the chest. Maybe defenseless receiver thing, but like it probably would be now. But even then, it would be kind of close. Man, now there's so much more egregious shit out there to call, and like yeah. they didn't call any pass interferences. But like, that's where the commentators got livid. Like all of them, like yes. that was a garbage call. This no. like. Didn't leave with the other. Paul was like, "Oh my god, a great call!" And Joe was like, "No, it's not." And then they <laughs> fucking argued for like five minutes into the next play about is this a great call or not? Oh, dude, that three-man booth was brutal. And then the next play, tie law interception in the end zone to end it. Yeah. And then he started running like he caught it probably five yards in the end zone, running backwards like towards the back of the end zone. He's like, you know what? Nah, fuck this team. It decided to r- run it out. Well, there was no time left either. It was right. like two seconds. So they, so they cut to Belichick. Oh, well, he could just down it and the game's over. But he's like, you know what? Nah, fuck this. And decided to run it out. And Belichick was like, fucking go. Let's yeah, go. Like he wanted that. Yeah. But then, of course, you're, to your point, the commentator's like, well, you know, like, Belichick obviously didn't want him running that out. He's They're going to – because then he tried to like lateral it to somebody. 
Yeah. And that didn't worry. Oh, fuck it, whatever. Last play of the game. You Donald can't Trump's lose this game. Be happy about that. Yeah. Oh, he's gonna get a talking to after the game. Yeah, I got a talking to Did on you Monday. See a cut of him pointing to the end zone. Yeah, and like celebrating because he knew the game was over already, and yeah. the play was literally did not matter. The team was already over anyways. They were down for twelve nothing with a couple seconds left, trying to throw into the end zone. Yeah, there's no, there's no seconds left. So I mean, no, you're just trying to make it close seconds. at that point. You're just trying not to get shut out. But. Uh, yeah, I think that was a, a pretty fitting end to the game. And then Belichick and uh, Parcells met in the middle and hugged it out a bit. And then Belichick was like legitimately like giddy, giddily celebrating and hugging his team, kind of hugging his oh, players yeah, and stuff. And, yeah, he was excited that he won this football game, which is dope. We uh, probably saw that uh, ESPN poll that they did during the game. I have a screenshot of it, which I will, if I remember, I will post it to uh, Twitter when this comes out. Um, yes. Let me make a note of this so I don't forget. Um, Who is coach of the year? Yeah, so they did, they did a uh, a poll that you could, uh, I don't know, call in, text in, a Sports Nation poll. The internet is a thing now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's Sports Nation. That was ESPN.com. That's right. Sunday Stud was... The name of the poll. Uh, who's the NFL coach of the year? And the options are Bill Parcells, Marvin Lewis, Dick Vermeil, John Fox, and Bill Belichick. Uh, for some context, Dick Vermeil had his Chiefs at uh, nine and one, and they had only just lost their first game this week to Marvin Lewis's Bengals, who, are five who I think five. were five and five. Yeah. Um, but I think this may have been like early Marvin Lewis when the Bengals, like they they showed some. Like after the game, they're going to talk about how the Bengals aren't the Bungles anymore. Yeah, but now we know that five and five in eight hundred is. Or yeah, that's exactly where he's going to be. Bengals, he yeah. he plateaued right there mm-hmm. <laughs> in this poll. Yeah. Uh, Parcells had taken over the Cowboys as his first year with the Cowboys. Um, had taken over, but they already had like some good pieces on defense, and uh, they had those wide receivers in Terry Glenn and Joey Galloway. Uh, John Fox of the Panthers, I think this was taking over from, remember 2001 when we had Bobby on, our brother-in-law, mm-hmm. the Panthers fan talking about uh, at the end of that season, they were 1-15. in 15, All right. And they just like gave up on in that game against the Patriots and they just got their, they, yeah, they got their shit kicked in. And so I think John Fox had taken over that team and he was like rebuilding it here. And they go to the Super Bowl this year. They do. Um, and then Bill Belichick, obviously, we talked about last week, is the only team in recent memory to have uh, the league lead in number of different starters. I think they had 40 at this point. Mm-hmm. And it was the only team to actually have a winning record <laughs> that he yeah, would they then. talked about it. They, well, this also drove me nuts. They're like, wow, Bill Belichick doing so good with all his injuries. And look at Jerry Jones, though, giving up all the control to fucking Bill <laughs> yeah. Parcells. Like it was the same sentence. Yeah. As if those two things were the same. Um, for the record, Bill pa- Bill Belichick finished last in this poll out of five with 10.4%. Hater feel. That's what I'm saying. He knows. Yeah. He sees that poll. Uh, first, uh, the, the the coach that he would beat tonight, Bill Parcells, 34.8%, which of all these guys, I would probably put last, honestly. Uh, yeah, he's got his defense playing well, but I think it's a, a stacked defense, really, from the sounds of it, the way they were talking about it. Um, and I think it was Theismann who was kind of disagreeing with the poll. They're like, yeah, Parcells. I mean, 
you're gonna put anybody put like Vermeil or marvin lewis up front I'm like, okay someone said don't check just because all the injuries over which it makes sense i mean yeah that's the hardest part about coaching is when you're injured and you're just plugging and playing and still playing right. really well and i and i think you know hindsight is also 2020 where we know that even with all these things and these close grinded out games they don't lose again this season and they win a super bowl so with all that too right parcells is very like media savvy and everyone in the media right. loves parcells and belichick has the exact opposite <laughs> uh, you know reputation <laughs> the literal opposite he's yeah. able to like cultivate and i mean winning all the super bowls allows him to just continue to be that way and just kind of addict everybody which personally yeah. i'm about it oh yeah yeah no me too um but he should probably find an offense because I'd like to read you the Cowboys drive chart and the result of each drive. Yeah, let's go. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, before we go there, mm. uh, at the end of the game, the mm. announcer said, wow, this game really lived up to the billing. <laughs> I agree. The Get it? The the billing? Oh. <laughs> they, just, they try to sneak that by you, Steve, but you can't sneak a pun by me. I was, I was too pissed off. <laughs> uh all right so cowboys drives in this game there were 12 of them uh as we know none of them ended in a score but here it was punt 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 end of half punt punt interception downs interception interception uh <laughs> thrilling not great uh their longest drive was 48 yards they did twice uh to end each half that's yeah not great. And that last drive was literally just like the Patriots playing pre-event. Be like, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're going to take all minute 56 you have left to score twice and it's not going to happen. And it didn't end with the interception. <laughs> Did you never once? Just, no, just not great. I mean, that's what you get when you have Quincy Carter not running the ball and, and trying to throw it instead. Uh, and throwing it to Antonio Bryant, who's going to catch three of the 12 passes his way. He so. had a couple bad interceptions. I mean, some weren't, one of them wasn't his fault where yeah, guess, bounce like, off bounce off Witten into Tyler's hands. Uh it was still, I think, his fault for making that decision because he tried to do a bootleg and William McGinnis didn't buy it. And so he basically ran backwards 15. It, all, it was very Drew Bledsoe-esque almost, where he ran backwards 10 yards and tried to kind of sidearm it around him to the tight end in the flat, who was covered by Ty Law. Yeah, it wasn't a great throw. But it was no. a little unlucky. It was. It, it was behind him, but Basically, Witten kind of knocked it straight up into Ty Law's arms. So, in that way, it was Tyrone was 100% his fault, where he like just misread the cover. He, must he threw it to Tyrone Poole. He threw it right through the dude. It was like not even a receiver around him. Yeah. And uh, I think the last one was just Ty Law running the route better than the, the receiver, because he literally caught it in stride where the receiver probably should have been and wasn't because Ty Law was there instead. It was, it was a perfect one. Um, do you want to do best and worst? Yeah, I think we're in that. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think I have any other big old points. You want to go first? Oh uh, no, you go first. I have a lot. All right, I'll I'll do a couple. Let's see. Um, the one commercial coming back from the game that they do, you know, where they do like the sponsored by bullshit when they're showing shots of the yeah. fans. Um, the there was only one that I remember catching in this game, and it was UPS. And the tagline was, what can Brown do for you? Which felt appropriate, us watching this game. Mm, they should bring that back. What, what, Steve, what can Brown do for you? Maybe that should be our tagline now. We'll just steal it from UPS. No. No? 
overpromise. <laughs> we're not. We're just asking. Because the answer could literally be nothing. I don't, you know, I don't, wanna, I don't even want to set any expectations, you know? <laughs> I don't even want to ask that question because I'm going to under-deliver it. Whatever the answer is, I'm under-delivering. So. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so I would say uh, my best and worst are kind of the same play. It was Dion Branch getting um, another catch off a of deflection for the second week in a row. Uh, Tom Brady threw a screamer that uh, Kevin Falk, I'm going to defend and say he decided to turn into a tip drill on purpose, which I don't think it was, but we're going to go with that. Uh, Directly into the hands of awaiting Dion Branch, who caught the ball, got tackled, got up, and then was immediately called for taunting after the catch, which set them back 15 yards. So it was as as if the play didn't happen. Yeah, it was. Um and then let's see. An honorable mention would be, uh, oh, there was a there was a um, an interview, a sideline interview with a young Robert Kraft. Mm, yeah. Who I've decided, uh, I'm trying to like uh, figure out who his voice reminds me of. Sounds like a fucking goober. So yeah, but I I think I've I've come close. Okay. Um, I'm interested because in he sounds like he's like he's a like congested. He's kind of a goober. Yeah. He's not a great interview, like voice-wise. I think what he says is fine, but... Yeah, but so um, I think it is... All right, you wolf. All right, sheep herder. Good joke, man. How's this fun work? Like this. Good joke, man. He sounds like Droopy the dog. Remember Droopy Dog? He's like, always a little, but he has that same, like, yeah, that same voice, sort of thing. All right. You know, I I can definitely see it. So I'm going to, I I just figured out, like, right before we started recording this. So I just found, like, the first clip I could, but I'm going to see if I can find some and see if I can put together a a Robert Kraft versus Droopy the Dog. Got it in in his defense. He, at least he always thanks the fans every time. Oh my god! Yeah. Tom Brady always says hi, mom, hi, dad. Mm-hmm. Actually, in the Broncos interview, he said hi, mom, hi, dad, hi, sisters, because they say I never say hi to them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the uh, RKK always thanks the fans. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. He does, but he was like super awkward in this too, because they're just asking him like softball questions. He's like, oh yeah, no, we're uh, we're a big fan of Jerry Jones. Our our family's really close. And we get dinner together all the time, and so it's like, oh, so uh, will the winner of this game be the one to to buy dinner next time? And he just like blanked. He's like, uh, I'm sure we'll have dinner. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just like trying to get out of the interview. Like, oh, you poor bastard. That's exactly because that's exactly how it'd be if I was the owner of the Patriots and you're trying to interview me on live television. Like, uh, yeah. I, I eat dinner. You mean who's going to buy it? We're both fucking millionaires, lady. Jesus. Right. <laughs> Drop in the bucket, baby. All right. So what's your uh, best and worst? All right. You know, deep down, happy Parcells will never be part of the Patriots Hall of Fame. Ooh. Because we know okay. that guy on the inside, and we both, we all told him, don't do yep. it. Right, right, so right. This game, all that confirms my feelings <laughs> there. So Good. it's nice to have a little validation there. Yep. Yep. Um, I learned that back in the day, I guess, hitting the offensive lineman with a pass is a penalty. 
It is. It still is. It's um. You sure? Illegal touching. Yeah. I don't. Know. I feel like if you could just like inadvertently hit the offensive lineman with a pass, it's not a penalty. Uh, no, I think it still is. At least as far as I know. But yeah, I mean, you might be right. Maybe they've changed it. Back check. Because it was weird because it, it wiped out an, a penalty on the Patriots defense. That it did, yeah. Um, just had a brain fart and they offset. Uh, let's see. I'm not quite sure how to. Probably my worst is like a little, little combination of Antoine Smith and Field because they both looked awful. Yeah. Yeah. And like they also like contribute to each, to each other looking awful because like Anton Smith couldn't get footing, so he's falling oh, down. There was that one play. I think it was like I don't think it was third. It might have been like second and short. And Antoine oh. Smith got the handoff and had like days of open space and just like fell over the dirt. Yeah. Like and two he, yards he in the backfield. Like oh I haven't done here. Has he broken a tackle yet this year? Like he he's definitely got like he's running on fumes. Yeah, because there were some plays where it started off and they had like a couple of pulling guards and it looked really good. And there's like nobody out there and it goes for like three yards. Like how did you get tackled? We, we redo the grass at Gillette. I don't remember when that is, but they, just uh, I think this. it's after all of the uh, Colts teams come to visit <laughs> in the playoffs. Cause that was uh, on purpose to slow down those faster teams was creating garbage field. Cause it was garbage. It was, I mean, this is early in only a week 11 and it looked well, they talked about how it was because they shared the stadium with the New England Revolution. Yeah. And so they're like the revolution are tearing to bits too. Which I remember yeah, from high yeah. school, we weren't, as a soccer team, we weren't allowed to play on the football field because soccer games tear up the... And you're a bunch of foot fairies. Goddamn right, a bunch of foot fairies. But at least we know that a header doesn't... Uh, <laughs> no good. Is, is, it's yeah, a header. It's no good. Can't be no good. <laughs> what? Oh my God. Uh... And not a worse for the Patriots, but I'm sure if you ask Bill Parcells, they had an offsides on a field goal attempt. Oh, that was a good one. The Patriots to burn like another two minutes o'clock. We'll By their first game. round draft pick, yes. uh, Terrence Newman, who on, it was like a fourth and three, Patriots yeah. kicking a field goal with like just over two minutes left. So they would have got the two minute warning and everything. The yard line. Yeah. And, uh, and so the pages do a hard count on the field goal, get him to jump. Adam kicks the field goal anyway, but then they run, th- get to run three more plays before he kicks a- another Which chip. Paul shot. was like, "Hey, maybe you take the points." <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I think it was Theismann, and and everyone's like, "Nope." He's like, "Well, to be fair, I'm an idiot, so I was just thinking it, thinking it through out loud for all the other idiots out there listening with me." It's like, well, all right, at least he's honest. And my best. And then I have a uh, bonus football or not football when we're done here. Ooh. The best though, and I can't believe we didn't mention this, is the um, it's I don't know halftime-ish or first half or I don't know it was, when it was still pretty close. Cowboys had a third and one, fourth and one, and the fourth and one play, Teddy just crushes it. Oh yeah, blows the blocker by, hits him like four yards deep. So it was like a loss of three on, on fourth and one. It was four. It wasn't even four. It was like fourth and inches. It was short. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, Ooh, where's the spot going to be? It was like, they, he got the, he got the handoff and he got hit. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's one of the highlights on the, on the website. uh, Is that brisky fourth down stop. It was, it was huge. Yeah. Because they blew up that whole play. 
Like it didn't have a chance from the get go because it, it the uh, commentators talking about how oh well of course you go for it here because you have Quincy Carter and he's so good with his legs and he'll convert the the QB sneak no problem. But then the Patriots lined up with like three guys over the center, basically yeah. run literally anything else, anything on the edges. Yeah, and so they tried and it didn't fucking work. They didn't. They tried to run a fucking up the gut, whatever. Not a great play call. And then my football or not football, help me out here. Um, he just slides in the hole. All you need is eight inches. <laughs> eight? Oh God. Well, I well I'm about to disappoint whatever hole that is. <laughs> well, it's Quincy Carter. So. So. They were actually talking about that on his uh, QB sneak early in the game. That kind of set up that oh. fourth and one play. You know, he just he slides in the hole. All you need is eight. <laughs> he, he steps back, waits for him, and then slides in the hole. All you need is eight inches. Oh my goodness. All you need is eight I thought the commentators were awful, and I am really not looking forward to any more Paul McGuire. How did that guy even get a fucking job? I didn't even hurt this fucking dude. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know much about Paul McGuire. Hmm. I can't find anything about the offensive players. So if any if any any of you know the rule about uh, a forward pass hitting an offensive lineman in the back of the head and that being called an eligible man, an eligible receiver or something like that, I don't exactly remember what the call was because they the did do a good job of explaining it. Was. Something like that, yeah. Um, let us know. Uh, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or wherever. Or, 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 great segue like this, Steve Brown. Uh, you can text us on the Dynasty Hotline. Do you remember the number? Uh, 505 Troy Brown for three. Yes. 603 505 8043. The Dynasty Hotline. You can just shoot us a text and, um, let us know. Let us know what that rule is, or let us know uh, anything else about this game that we have missed. Uh, I don't think there's anything, but who are we to decide what's important about this game? We're the host, um, That's what our job is. Uh, well, you know what? I'm not going to take that out of the uh, the listeners' hands. If they have something that they think is important, they can let us know. Okay. And maybe well, we'll even I'll have them on to discuss it in a future episode. Um, but speaking of future episodes, what is next week, Stephen? I don't, I don't know. Of course, you don't fucking know. Well, Patriots are—I was going to say—staying in Texas, but they're actually traveling to Texas this time to take on the Houston Texans in Texas at Reliance that? Stadium. This is the Houston Texans' first year. I don't believe it's their first year. No, but it is very early on in there. Is it their first year? Ooh. No, I think they came after that, didn't they? Houston Texans started in 2020, uh, 2002. This is their second year. They went 4-12 and 12 in their first year. This year they were go 5-11. and 11. But I remember this game, I think. I don't. I only don't because I believe I was extremely hungover at Ryan Story's house. And we were watching it, the next, and the game was, uh, it felt like a hangover. So well, I guess we'll find out then. We sure will on the Patriots Dynasty Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah.